0: Welcome to my Love Life podcast, episode number 177 The Science of Faith. It's January 7th, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and more. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. There is no music for this intro for my podcast or the outro as I am working to be more inclusive. It is difficult for some people who have hearing loss or are hard of hearing to discern voice when it is combined with music. Join the movement and get other podcasters to ditch the music and voice combination. That would be helpful. That would be inclusionary. That's my intro <laughs> without the music. The science of faith. My heavens, people. I have to tell you, I was very surprised at what I found in the research in PubMed on the science of faith. Actually, it's still shocking shocking to me. It may or may not be shocking to you. As someone who's always used faith growing up in life and throughout my life, I basically kind of took it for granted. It's not that I don't value faith. Of course I value faith. It's what saved me. Yet I didn't have the appreciation that the science has now put upon me that I'm going to share with you. I'm going to start out by saying if you haven't entered my giveaway, please go to my website and enter my giveaway because that would make me happy. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy in any capacity, in any form. I do have transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community. The transcripts are also valuable for hearing people. I do have to apologize that the transcripts from 100 to about 174 or so are a mess. I will be seeing if there's something I can do other than manually fix them. I have been started manually fixing the the transcripts, that takes me anywhere from an hour and a half, two hours, to four hours, depending on the length of the podcast. So the transcripts are a mess prior to the last couple. I do apologize, and it will get fixed at some point in the future. If you are listening to this podcast and you are feeling suicidal or hopeless or that life is too hard, I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 Or you may call or text 988. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. Or you may call or text 988. Take the help. There's plenty of help available. If you knew what you've been through and how bad it was, you probably would understand it's reasonable that you feel this way. The science of faith. I am going to start by providing the dictionary definition of the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, as a noun. Number one, complete trust or confidence in something Two, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Apprehension meaning fear or anxiety or understanding three, a firm belief in something for which there is no proof proof as a verb faith means to believe or to trust. Synonyms for faith include belief, trust, confidence, hope, loyalty, certainty, fidelity, sureness, and conviction, among others. So what does this research, what does the science say about faith? (laughs) I'm covering this in two parts. The first part is what's applicable to you as a human being. And the next piece will be about society, the value and science related to faith that matters to society. This first piece is on what they call religious coping, religion as a way to cope with life. This particular research is from the Journal of Clinical Psychology, a research piece by Jean Ano and Aaron B. Vasquez from Bowling Green University, it's volume 61, Parentheses for pages 461 to 480 from 2005. Religious coping can provide both positive and negative aspects. Positive religious coping strategies usually provide positive outcomes. Negative religious coping strategies typically provide more negative outcomes. To break this down, the first piece, I'm going to give you the aspects listed in the research for positive religious coping followed by negative religious coping. So there are 10 aspects to positive religious coping. One, religious purification and forgiveness. Two, religious direction and conversation. Three, religious helping. Four, seeking support from clergy or religious members. Five, collaborative religious coping. Six, religious focus. Seven, active religious surrender. Eight, benevolent religious reappraisal. Nine, spiritual connection. Ten, marking religious boundaries. Those are the positive aspects for religious coping, not the outcomes. Those are the positive aspects. I'm going to get into the outcomes shortly. The negative religious coping aspects are one, spiritual discontent 2 demonic reappraisal 3 passive religious deferral 4 interpersonal religious discontent 5 reappraisal of god's powers 6 punishing god reappraisal 7 pleading for direct intercession uh intercession so this according to the general of clinical psychology that I referenced, this religious, positive and negative religious coping is attributed to Pargament et al. from 2004, the definitions, and Pargament Smith et al. 1998. So those are aspects which I will dive into the outcomes shortly. I would like to turn your attention to this research piece in PubMed titled, quote, Belief, Behavior, and Belonging, How Faith is Indispensable in Preventing and Recovering from Substance Abuse. This piece in PubMed is by Brian J. Grimm and Melissa Grimm from the Journal of Religious Health, August 2019, uh, volume 58, parentheses five, pages 1713 through 1750. So I've summarized some high notes or key points from this belief, behavior, and belonging How Faith is Indispensable in Preventing and Recovering from Substance Abuse 73% of American treatment programs in the United States include a spirituality-based element as found in Alcoholics Anonymous, for example as well as other programs, according to this research piece This particular study reviewed voluminous empirical evidence to come up with these results. According to Mr. Grimm and Ms. Grimm, the faith-based volunteers in the United States that oversee and run recovery programs contribute $316.6 billion in savings to the U.S. economy annually at no cost to taxpayers. That number again was three hundred and sixteen point six billion dollars in savings to US taxpayers at no cost to US taxpayers also according to this particular research piece 80 84% of scientific studies show that faith is a positive factor in addiction prevention or recovery the conclusion of this article states the decline in religious affiliation in the u.s is a national health concern were you aware of this i had no idea that faith could be and take an active role in preventing addiction or in recovery this drives home one valuable reason why it might be a really great idea to teach children growing up about religion they don't have to become religious but if they're aware of it they might be able to use it as a coping strategy for life clearly if they're not aware of it they're not going to take advantage of it so according to the research faith is indispensable for prevention of addictions and recovery I would like to turn your attention to the positive psychological outcomes from religious coping. Then I will give you the negative outcomes. So you may use as a human being, faith and religion in a positive way or in a negative way. And both of them are covered in the research. Here's a list of 18 positive psychological outcomes. I would say possible positive psychological outcomes. Number one, acceptance. Two, emotional well-being. Three, general positive outcomes. Four, happiness. Five, hope. Six, life satisfaction. Seven, optimism. Eight, personal adjustment. Nine, personal growth. Ten, positive affect. Eleven, purpose in life. 12, recent mental health, 13, resilience, 14, satisfaction, 15, self-esteem, 16, spiritual growth, 17, stress-related growth, and 18, quality of life. I think if we look at this list, these are pretty significant possible outcomes, possible positive psychological outcomes, from using religious coping in a positive way. Who couldn't use optimism, happiness, hope, emotional well-being, acceptance, having a purpose in life? These are all really very valuable possible outcomes. Let's look at the negative outcomes. As far as the research goes, these are the negative possible outcomes for religious coping when used in a negative context. Number one, anxiety. 2. Burden 3. Callousness 4. Depression 5. Distress 6. Global distress 7. Guilt 8. Hopelessness 9. Hostility 10. Impairment 11. Move mood disturbance 12. Negative affect 13. Negative mood 14. Perceived stress 15. PTSD symptoms, 16, social dysfunction, 17, specific stress, 18, spiritual injury, 19, being suicidal, and 20, trait anger. Those are also significant negative possible outcomes, which all of which points back to faith can be used in a positive way or a negative way, and it's really dependent on how you as an individual use it in society it's certainly preventive and helpful in re- addiction and addictions so what are the reasons why people either lack faith or in many cases lose faith because we do according to the research have people who were originally trained in faith or originally had some faith or they had some religious schooling or upbringing that they then later in life do not use or practice so what what's all that about i'll give you some good reasons number one some people lack faith or lose faith or lack faith because they were never exposed to it in a meaningful way in other words it was not role modeled to them growing up or in the present time two something bad happened and they got mad at god or gave up on their faith or some way stepped away from religion three they saw hypocrites modeling religious beliefs and saw it as a fraud bad or otherwise having little or no value four they had a bad personal experience and got turned off five they were exposed to religion but not in a meaningful way more or less in a superficial fashion but not to the level of being fraudulent or hypocritical six they have too much adversity or pain in their life to believe in god or a higher power seven they've had unanswered prayers or worse eight they are lacking support from other religious believers nine guilt by association bad religious leaders mean all religion is bad this is a form of all or nothing thinking black or white thinking and is irrational yet common ten not feeling that there's any benefit to faith 12 ego or pride i mean 11 ego or pride 12 they just change their minds or they change their belief systems 13 they are not attending church or services 14 it's not important to them given the other priorities that they have going on in life Fifteen. they are unwilling to look inward and be accountable for their own behaviors or life. That is 15 reasons, common reasons, why people, even if they were exposed to faith and religion, in at some point in their life will step away. It's not uncommon. I'll mention a personal example later. So there's lots of reasons, lots of valid reasons why people don't have faith or they lack faith or they're not using faith to their advantage one of the other aspects from the research i wanted to mention is that there was a piece called anxiety and avoidance in adults and childhood trauma are associated with negative religious coping this is from the international journal of environmental research and public health from july 2020. again that's called anxiety and avoidance in adults and childhood trauma are associated with negative religious coping. What they're saying is that the research supports the idea that if you had childhood trauma, or you're an adult with an an attachment style uh, that's anxious or avoidant, you might be more likely to have a negative religious coping strategy as opposed to a positive religious coping strategy. One of the aspects that we do not talk about with faith is what's called the dark night of the soul which i have to mention i only learned of dark night of the soul in 2023 and i thought to myself when i happened upon it by happenstance how did i never hear of dark night of the soul i don't know but it's worth mentioning so i have experienced dark night of the soul on many occasions throughout my life without having a name or an explanation to it what dark night of the soul means is this is a time of spiritual dryness or spiritual depression it can be characterized by feeling abandoned by god or whatever you're believing in spiritual emptiness this is typically part of a spiritual growth journey and it could it could however cause someone to give up their faith or give up on god in the process now what is fascinating to me is that mother Teresa had experienced many times many many long periods of the dark night of the soul which was in her writings published after her death so it was revealed after she passed that she had these very long periods of going through the dark night of the soul which it is different for different people it can be depressing and it could be confused with depression but it is not depression. This is part of a spiritual journey. And it, and it can be by design to help you become closer to God, to help you deal with issues, to break us free from ego, pride, temptation, material things, and all kinds of things. That is worth mentioning in a podcast on faith because I wouldn't want you to get on this journey of faith and go, wait, what's happening? I, I feel like God doesn't care about me. God cares about everyone if you're a person of faith and wants good for you, but he also wants you to be close to him, which is a choice. He doesn't mandate you have to believe in God. Another aspect worth mentioning before I get into some ideas of how you could grow faith, if this is of interest to you, is surrendering. Surrendering for us human beings is very difficult. I have to say... I did a novena on, it's called the I Surrender Novena for several years and I just would keep noticing that I would say the I Surrender Novena but yet I didn't really actually surrender to God. So when you have a faith-based relationship with God, that does mean to some degree letting go and letting God. That's why they say let go and let God. That's very difficult for human beings. We like to be in control. We like to direct our lives without any question so the question for you though is you know what's your answer to the question god will you catch me if i fall well ideally yes god will catch you if you're if you fall but it might not be in the way that you want like so surrendering is is a definite aspect of faith and this topic is one i could just talk for hours about which is would go against my rules for podcasting that my podcasts are under an hour at best and as short as possible so this next piece is for you who would like to grow in faith you would like to build your muscles on faith in in any capacity and there are plenty of books there's all kinds of stuff on religion some of the books i have read i wouldn't recommend because they're just too to, uh, obscure. I mean, they're, I love them, but they're not for everybody. So to grow in faith, number one, I would start with a self-assessment. My suggestion is start with an examination where you stand. Where do you stand with your faith? You could be in any number of places re- with regard to faith, ha- having no faith, having a moderate amount of faith, or having a high amount of faith. Examine what role faith plays in your life. From this transcript, you will be able to receive a list of the positive potential religious coping outcomes as well as the negative possible religious coping outcomes. Are you receiving the positive religious outcomes from your faith? That is a good question. I don't know. It is a question for you to look at in the inquiry. We're in the examination of, where do I stand with faith? Now, if you happen to be experiencing any of the 20 negative possible outcomes for negative religious coping, my suggestion is that you pronto make some changes. It is highly, highly suggested that you make some changes because I do not want you to be experiencing the negative religious outcomes the negative religious coping outcomes it could be that you're going through the dark night of the soul that could be going on but make an examination in your self assessment where do I stand that's number one two make a list of ways you could increase your time with God and your faith some ideas include increasing your prayer time attending Mass or services, or attending additional Masses or services, learning new prayers. It could include doing spiritual or corporal works of mercy. In the Catholic faith, spiritual and corporal works of mercy are the little things you do to help serve humanity, helping other people either physically, in the corporal way, or in a spiritual way. If you are Catholic, it could mean it could include going to confession. I don't know how many other Christian religions include Christian religions include confession at this point because they all kind of divorced the Catholic faith and some of them ditched confession. That was one of the big things that was ditched when people Christian religions broke off from Catholicism. It could include asking yourself the meaningful question, do I really trust God? but do I really trust God? It could mean reading the Bible. It could mean reading your religious teachings or scripture, whatever religion you, you belong to. It could mean fasting. It could mean joining a prayer group or a Bible study group or some religious group that discusses the, the teachings of your religion. It could mean volunteering in, in a religious context. There are many, many ways where you could take an action to increase the presence of God in your life and grow your faith. Number three, implement actions as determined from your assessment and the subsequent list. In the second recommendation is make a list of ways you could increase your time. I just gave you the list. I gave you a list of many ideas. So start implementing the actions. Number four, emotions. How do you feel about God? How do you feel about God, the higher power, the universe, whatever it is you're subscribing to? If it's not God, it could be universe, it could be some higher entity. How do you feel about that? What are your feelings? What are the emotions? For this piece, I'm asking you to drill down and get to the real bottom line of how do you feel about God or the universe or whoever it is that you you believe in. You know, is there trust? Is there love? Is there gratitude? Is there appreciation? Is there are there miracles, blessings, compassion, strength? I don't know, but this is a very good place to look when you are examining your faith, your level of faith, and this can help you deepen your relationship to faith and to God or to whoever you you believe in. If your emotions are not, generally speaking, very positive and in the uh, under the umbrella of happiness and love and the good stuff, then again, I would step back, go back to square one. You, you might've fallen in the trap of negative religious coping and that's not what we want for you. If you need help with your emotions, I do have a free emotional workbook on my website right below the Newsweek logo. You can download it for free. You do not have to register, it's just there for free. And that will help you if you're not in the genre of happy, love, good emotions with respect to God, the universe, higher power, or whoever you subscribe to. Number five, be honest. This can be very difficult in my humble opinion. For example, I'm going to give you a little tell-of-myself story. So in high school, I had a horrible confession with a cranky, crotchety priest. We'll leave it at that. And I had only had really great experiences with priests and confession prior to that. But this was a little shocking and over the top. As a human being, I've never engaged in bad stuff. I have not ever engaged in, you know, intentionally being vicious or mean or doing bad stuff to people. I I really have made up my mind from from a very young age that I wanted to go to heaven. So this was a shocking confession where the priest was really kind of cruel and vicious. And as a result of that confession, I mean, I left the confessional thinking, what just happened? Like, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. As a result, I didn't go to confession for about 13 or 14 years because I was so tainted by that horrible experience. Really, completely, like, he had a bad day. Who kicked the dog? I was it. I mean, it's just unfathomable. So I did eventually go back to confession 13 or 14 years later. And if you're not familiar with Catholic confession, one of the first things you say to the priest is, you make the sign of the cross, you say, bless me, Father, it's been X amount of time since my last confession. So I made this, I did face-to-face, by the way, for this. I know, what was I thinking? So I did face-to-face, which means the priest and I are looking at each other. He's not hidden behind a screen. So years ago, ages ago, they added to confession the option of looking at the priest face-to-face instead of behind the screen. So I go face-to-face with this young priest. I say to make the sign of the cross, and I say to the young priest, Bless me, Father. It's been maybe 13 or 14 years since my last confession. It's been forever. Who knows how long it's actually been? He was literally flabbergasted, (laughs) and his face showed it. He was shocked. So he kind of reeled back in the chair, mouth open, eyes big, and then what came out of his mouth was, well, welcome back. Welcome back. And we had a great confession. It is sometimes so hard to be honest. So be honest with yourself if you are going to engage in an examination of your faith and where things stand. That will be helpful. And you don't have to have... Guilt or shame or embarrassment—I certainly could have been ashamed or embarrassed that it had been, you know, over a decade since I went to confession. I was not ashamed or embarrassed. I had a very, very horrific experience, and that's why I didn't go. Well, I didn't beat myself up. I accepted this is what happened, and then got myself turned around on it. It just took a while because I—I I wasn't even willing to look at that. I wasn't even willing to go down that path that was so horrible. So, number six, examine your conscious. Now, your conscious, C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S. This is a part of confession in the Catholic faith. This is not a part of all faiths and religions in any capacity because, as I already mentioned, confession is one of the first things that other Christian religions tossed when they broke away from the Catholic faith, because all Christian religions originated from Catholicism, if you didn't know that. I did not know that until very late in life. I was like, in the history of Catholicism, they're not very good at teaching the, the history, in my opinion, or, the, or it's just not something we talk about. This is a very, very valuable process even if you're not Catholic, even if you if confession is not on the line. So when you're examining your conscious, you're, you're really looking at internally. So you're looking internally is, how is my outward behavior and treatment of others? How am I with other people? Am I doing anything that's harmful or hurtful? What kind of thoughts am I having? What, what kind of life am I living? This is a really great opportunity to do a full assessment of you, your thoughts, your behaviors, your life, completely separate from religion. Now, because this is a podcast on faith, I'm offering this up in terms of religion, in terms of growing your faith. You may be listening to this podcast and you're clear, you are never going to have faith. That's okay. you live life however you want. I really have no skin in the game about whether you have faith or not. But this exercise of of an examination of your conscience is very valuable in life, completely unrelated to confession or religion. It's extremely valuable. It's basically a timeout. Timeout, how do I live life? Which, by the way, in life coaching and personal growth and development is something you would want to do on a regular basis. So you don't have to be Catholic and you don't have to go to confession to use this powerful option or tool. Number seven, to give you a little more encouragement, you could look at the religious value virtues as an opportunity for growth and development. There are plenty of lists on the internet. There are lists and lists and lists of virtues. On the internet that you could look at and say hmm where am i in my patience where am i in tolerance where am i in you know all of these different virtues and then put together virtues that you'd like to grow this is a part of faith a belief in a higher power or God because part of the biblical teachings are about you growing and developing. So this is an opportunity to heal and you could just go snag any list of virtues that you want and use that as a tool to say, hmm, patience is a virtue. I'm not very patient. Well, if you're not very patient, I did did just do a podcast about patience and having more patience. That might help you. But there's plenty, plenty of virtues and growing your virtues will help you heal they'll help you grow they'll help you increase your peace p-e-a-c-e it's an amazing idea there you go eight please remember that faith is a journey it's not like it's not oh now i've got all the faith i need faith is something as a muscle you can continue to grow until you die or you could just stop where you are. There are many empowering attitudes and beliefs in the context of either faith in God, faith in a higher power, or faith in the universe, or faith in something. So for example, one of my favorite empowering attitudes or beliefs is, with God, all things are possible. That is not how most people live, and quite frankly, even religious people that I know don't take that particular statement to heart. I however take it to heart and that is why I'm on a mission to bring love and compassion love and affection happiness and joy to the world because with God all things are possible it's possible we could change the world together where love and affection rules the day because with God all things are possible there are many other inspirational motivational and empowering Attitudes and beliefs inherent in either belief in God, the universe, or a higher power. So use those so that you are getting the positive outcomes from religious coping as opposed to the negative. And interestingly enough, one of my sayings is everything happens for my good, or my life always works out. Well, I believe in God and God has my back. God doesn't want awful things to happen to me. Of course, God allows awful things to happen to me. God has allowed awful things to happen to me. But I use those things to grow and develop, which is what they're there for. Life will give you lessons. Are you willing to learn the lesson so you can grow and develop? Well, that really depends on you. The other aspect to consider about this topic of faith is that God is synonymous or God is equivalent to the word love. God and love are replaceable. You know, they can replace one another. So one of the reasons that I have a lot of faith is because I'm all about love. And God is all about love. So of course I would be all about God because God is all about love. I'm drawn to things that are about goodness and benevolence and happiness and everything good. And God is about everything good. That's not to say that God does not allow bad things to happen. Clearly you heard about a horrific confession I had. And clearly if you're following my podcast, you know lots of really bad traumatic things have happened to me. But look at how I used it for my good. Look at how God used it to shape and form me in a particular way to be a better person. My biggest recommendation is that you make sure that you are using religious coping, aka faith, in a positive way in your life. This is going to be more of a problem for people who are negative thinkers, who brood, ruminate, catastrophize, overthink, those people who think in that negative fashion. And engage in those negative thinking behaviors catastrophizing ruminating overthinking brooding are more likely to experience the negative outcomes for religious coping which is not what I want for you that is not good if you are experiencing negative impacts from a religious relationship or religious activities or your religious spirit or spiritual beliefs in my opinion it's time for a change It's time to interrupt that because that is not good and not what we want, particularly in contrast to the 20 positive outcomes you could be receiving from religion. So if you're receiving negative outcomes, which again, within a day or two of the podcast, this being published, I will have a fixed transcript up. You can print it out and look at it and you can have a list of the negative outcomes and the, and the positive outcomes. What would happen to you if you saw yourself, if you, listening to this podcast, saw yourself through God's eyes or through a higher power's eyes or through the universe's eyes, like I'm not sure who, who or what you believe in, but through that entity's eyes. If you saw yourself through God's eyes or the universe or some higher power, you would probably feel amazing. You would know that you are deserving, you are lovable, you are worthy, you are good enough, and you are precious. Are you looking at yourself through the lens or through the eyes of God, the universe, or higher power? I don't know. What i do know is that 85 percent of the population in the world by all reports has low self-esteem which means they feel unlovable undeserving unworthy not good enough i assert those people are not looking at themselves through god's eyes the eyes of the universe or the eyes of some higher power and that's makes me sad that we have low self-esteem at an epidemic number a level yet that's what's going on and for good reason there's good reason why people have low self-esteem if you have low self-esteem please don't start beating yourself up i have podcast a podcast many podcasts will help you and i do have one coming up in the future that will also probably help you but wouldn't it be interesting if you took a pause and you began to wonder what would i what does god think of me well god loves us I, mean, I learned this as a young child, like we are perfect in God's eyes. That doesn't mean we're perfect like Jesus Christ or perfect like God. It means in our human state, as human beings. We are perfect in God's eyes. That doesn't mean we don't have to grow. That does not mean we don't have to learn lessons. We are put here to grow, develop, learn lessons, heal, and make the world a better place. Well, that's my particular view. You may not espouse the view that you're here to make the world a better place. I have no idea what you're thinking. But it probably might be an eye-opening exercise for you to think, Hmm, God loves me. I'm perfect in God's eyes, even with my flaws, even with my imperfections. Wow, that's a completely different animal than what many of you are experiencing about yourself right now. I invite you to step into that. That would make a huge difference. I invite you to get back to faith. We clearly from the research now know that the faith concept is critical in preventing addictions and in recovery. So we need to change the dying off of religion and faith to a resurgence in faith and religion for our health in the United States. I assert it's probably similar similar in other areas of the world, but who knows? So keep the faith, make sure you're getting the good outcomes, the 18 positive religious coping outcomes, make some changes if you've got the negative ones, and let's bring everybody together and have faith keep the faith. It will help you. Let me know how I can help you because I do love you. I do care about you. I do understand how hard your life has probably been and why you might be organized the way that you're organized. But there's lots of good things available for you and your future if you will get on the road to growth and development. That's it for now. I do love you. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 177, The Science of Faith. I certainly hope if you're not having faith right now, you will get on the road to having faith. And I certainly hope you will use religious coping in the positive way to receive the positive benefits from religious coping as opposed to the negatives. Please share this podcast on social media so you can be a player in helping grow faith in the world and in the U.S. We certainly need that for preventing addictions and helping in recovery. I hope you're doing well. I love you. Hang in there for now. That's it.